Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Alright everybody, welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Hope everybody had a good weekend and that everybody is staying safe and continuing to practice social distancing when possible. Lots to talk about here as we get a new week started and we have a a new thing to talk about this week. Uh, We're going to start talking about the best moments from this season so far. So we'll look back at some of the highlights of the 2019-2020 season. We will also discuss the latest news from around the NHL. More talks about what, if anything, the league is going to do once it gets started once again. And we still don't have an exact timetable for that. And we'll take a look back at an exciting overtime game in this date in Islanders history that was part of the Islanders' exceptional 1993 playoff run that took them all the way to the Eastern Conference Final. So, lots to discuss. Don't forget, if you have a question, a comment, something you'd like us to talk about, feel free to send us an email. The email address is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the air when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You could also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars N Y R V S N Y I, and we'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news and notes. And don't forget, and uh, we're going to start this week off with a poll on Twitter on the Locked On Islanders uh, Twitter account, that is, at Locked On Isles. Who do you think is the MVP for the Islanders so far this season? One player who has meant more to the team over the course of the season than any other. So uh, we it's multiple choice, or you can nominate somebody who we did not list. But uh, please visit us on Twitter and vote. And feel free to comment if there's a, you know, want to talk about the reason that you voted the way you did. You could either email us or comment on Twitter. And we're happy to, again, mention you on the air uh, as we talk about the different things that people indicated with regard to who they think the Islanders MVP is so far in 2019-2020. Wanted to start off our discussion today with... Yesterday, uh, on Sunday, MSG Network aired all four 
of the Islanders' cup-clinching games. And first off, it was great to watch the Islanders' dynasty teams in action again, in their prime, doing what they did so, so well. And I I thought back about those four games after watching them, and it was great to see. And, you know, to me, out of the four, and they were all spectacular moments, but two of them really stood out. First off, obviously, the 1980 Stanley Cup win, the first win, the Bobby Nystrom overtime goal against the Philadelphia Flyers, Game 6 at the Coliseum. Game was actually nationally televised uh, on network TV on CBS, uh, and and it was great. That was the actually the first game in five years on network television in the United States since the uh, 1975 Stanley Cup final was covered by NBC. But regardless, such a spectacular game. And I guess, in part, the dramatic way in which that game ended, the overtime goal, Mr. Islander, Bobby Nystrom, getting that goal, a player who had been with the franchise since their inaugural season of 72-73, which the Islanders won a grand total of only 12 games, uh, and sort of grew with the team, found his niche, his role with the team, was a hard-working, you know, blue-collar kind of a player and got the job done in a clutch, clutch situation as Nystrom and the Islanders so often did. And look, let's face it, there's nothing quite like your first championship. And it happened at home. It was a special moment. Islanders winning the cup. Add points to it because you beat a hated division rival in the Philadelphia Flyers. Bobby Clark, Bill Barber, uh, all those guys still on the team, and the Islanders end up winning their first. The other one that stood out most to me was the fourth and final Stanley Cup win. Because, first of all, you win four in a row, that puts you in really rarefied air. Uh, No team has won four cups since then. The Islanders, by winning those four Stanley Cups, matching the Montreal Canadiens, who won four straight from 1976 through 1979. And, I mean, I remember those Canadiens teams and how good they were. Having the Islanders match that was something very special. And I think the other thing that stands out about that series in particular was that the Islanders beat the Edmonton Oilers in that Stanley Cup final. And let's face it, the way the playoffs worked, the Minnesota North Stars in 1981, yeah, they were a pretty good team. Uh, But they weren't the second best team in the National Hockey League that year. The Vancouver Canucks, who the Islanders beat in the 19... 81-82 Stanley Cup Final. Again, uh, red-hot team that year, but not the best team in the league. In fact, during the regular season, they were below 500 that season. But look at the lineup 
that the Edmonton Oilers had that year in 82-83 for that last Stanley Cup win. You had Glenn Sather, Hall of Fame coach slash general manager behind the bench, John Muckler and Ted Green, his assistants. But look at this lineup. How many Hall of Famers and great players do you include? Wayne Gretzky, 196 points that year. Mark Messier, Glenn Anderson, Yari Curry, Paul Coffey, Kevin Lowe, a lot of Randy Gregg, Dave Semenko, obviously the goaltending duo of Andy Moog and Grant Fuhr, lots of Hall of Famers all over the place. And then even you add players like Ken Linsman, the Rats, who had 33 goals that year. Uh, Charlie Huddy, a defenseman who had 20. You know, this was a deep, talented Oilers team. They were the next dynasty in the NHL after the Islanders were done. So to me, that first win against the Flyers and that fourth win against the Oilers were the best of the four, but all four of them special in their own right, and it was just great to watch. We have got a lot more to talk about. We will discuss this Dayton Islanders history, a big overtime playoff win from 1993, and we will begin our analysis of the highlights of this season. So we've got a lot more to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. So time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to April the 20th, 1993 at the Cap Center in Landover, Maryland, Islanders and Capitals right now in Game 2 of their first round Patrick Division semifinal series. Islanders down in the series one game to none. Want to always get that split on the road in a best of seven playoff series. So the Islanders with some pressure on them. They go with Glenn Healy in goal while the Capitals have Rick Tabaracci, and this game was a tight one. This whole series was a tough, physical, and well-played series by both teams. Islanders would get on the board first. In the first period, Pierre Turgeon, his first of the playoffs, from Derek King and Steve Thomas, Islanders' top line getting on the board Time of the goal, 13-14. That was the score after 20 minutes of play. But the Capitals did come back. Islanders' nemesis, Dale Hunter. His third of the playoffs from Callie Johansson and Kelly Miller at 6.33 of the second. And the game was all even at one apiece. Islanders answer back. Pierre Turgeon, his second of the playoffs, second of the game. Steve Thomas and Dennis Vasky with the helpers at 12:36, and the Islanders again were ahead two to one. But the Islanders were then shorthanded. Benoit Hogue off for tripping at 16:41, and 10 seconds later, Dale Hunter, his second of the game, fourth of the playoffs on the power play. From Callie Johansson and Bob Carpenter at 16:51, and the game was all even after 40 minutes at two apiece. In the third period, again the Islanders get ahead. Benoit Hogue, his first in the playoffs, unassisted at 3:31, 
Islanders with a 3-2 lead, but it would be short-lived. These Capitals did not quit. Dmitry Kristich, his second in the playoffs, from Paul Cavallini and Peter Bondra at 7-16, and once again, it's even now at 3-3. Time starting to wind down with 5 minutes and 10 seconds left in regulation. Ray Ferraro of the Islanders gets his second of the playoffs. Patrick Flatley and Benoit Hogue with the helpers at 14-50, and it looks like the Islanders are in the driver's seat ahead by a 4-3 margin. But the Islanders get into trouble. With just two minutes and 50 seconds left in the game, Rich Pilon gets a five-minute high-sticking major, followed by a game misconduct power play for the Capitals down one goal Looked like the Islanders were going to get out of this one. Glenn Healy with some outstanding saves. But at 19.57, with three seconds left in regulation, a power play goal for Dale Hunter. His third of the game, a hat trick. His fifth of the playoffs from Callie Johansson and Dimitri Kristich. Again, 19.57, the time of the goal. And the game is all even at four apiece. Now, because this... Power play was off of a major high-sticking penalty, a five-minute major. Even though the Capitals scored, it carried into the extra session, and Washington had a chance at home to win the game on the power play when overtime started. They had, uh, realistically, another two minutes and fifty sec, uh, two minutes and ten seconds, excuse me, to try to win the game. Islanders able to kill it off. Islanders had a power play later on in overtime. Dale Hunter off for hooking at 16:34, but the Islanders were not able to convert. The game goes into double overtime. Again, Islanders down in the series, one to nothing, almost a must win, and Brian Mullen comes through his first of the playoffs from Ray Ferraro and Pat Flatley at 14.50 of double overtime. Mullen, his first of the playoffs, beating Rick Tabaracci and giving the New York Islanders a 5-4 double overtime win and evening the series at one game apiece as they headed back to the Coliseum for games three and four. Two goals for Pierre Turgeon in this one. Two assists for both Pat Flatley and Steve Thomas, while Ray Ferraro and Benoit Hogue each had a goal and an assist. In plus-minus, Pat Flatley and defenseman Jeff Norton were each plus-three, while Derek King had seven shots on goal for the Islanders. That was actually second on the team. Steve Thomas, nine shots on goal. The Islanders as a team finished with 61 shots, while Glenn Healy for the Islanders made 41 saves in 45 shots to earn the victory in a losing cause. Three assists for Callie Johansson, the hat trick for a man the Islander fans later in this series came to hate, Dale Hunter and Rick Tabaracci, 56 saves 
but does not win the hockey game. Uh, Islanders again with the 61 shots on goal in this one. All of that happening on this date in Islanders history, April 20th, 1993. We will discuss the highlights of this season and we'll lead it off with our poll question. More to get to on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, so let's discuss our poll question right now. Uh, and that's going to be the topic of discussion here uh, as we begin our analysis and look back at the highlights of the 2019-2020 season so far. And I want to emphasize so far because I do think that once the dust settles, and it will take a while, but once the dust settles and the league is able to safely resume play, they will find a way to do just that. So we're obviously waiting for that. Uh, and who is, the, the poll question is, who is the Islanders' most valuable player so far this season? Here are the choices the way I see it. Matthew Barzal, obviously, leading the team in assists with 41, leading the team in points with 60, their all-star representative, their young, talented player. He has to be one of the five finalists for this one. Second finalist, Brock Nelson, leading the team in goals with 26, second on the team with 54 points. Uh, a very clutch player also, and uh, Brock Nelson, candidate number two. Third candidate, Captain Anders Lee. Second on the team with 20 goals. Third on the team with 43 points. Leads the team with six game-winning goals and is also a plus eight on this team because of his leadership qualities his clutch play, and also just his overall performance on the power play, on the penalty kill, you got to give Anders Lee consideration as well. Fourth candidate, Simeon Varlamov, leading the team right now in starts, in wins with 19, in goals against average 2.62, save percentage 9 14 shutouts with two. The thing about Varlamov, when the Islanders were doing well early in the season, he and Tomas Grice were playing spectacular hockey. And the problem is that the goaltending cooled off a bit. And, you know, Varlamov, if you were to break down, the Islanders have played 68 games if you were to break it down to the first 34 and then the last 34, Varlamov may have been the MVP or co-MVP of the first 34 games, but let's say since the middle of December, he hasn't been bad. And I think the team's play in front of him also suffered, but I don't think he's been the team's MVP in the second half of this season the way that things have played out. So, Varlamov, to me, is the fourth choice. The fifth choice, and to me, this is actually who I would vote for, and it's going to be a surprise, I think, 
to a lot of people, but I would give the Islanders MVP to Adam Pellick. Yeah, he played 38 games and then was injured and lost for the rest of the season. Here is a guy who only scored one goal all year, had nine points all year. Not an offensive juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination. And yet, if you break down the Islanders' record for the season, first with Pelic in the lineup and then without Pelic in the lineup, you will see a big difference in the Islanders' performance. And once they lost Pelic, that's when the defensive play in front of Varlamov and Grice started to fall off. To me, Adam Pellick was the glue that held the New York Islanders together. And when they lost him at the end of December, literally the last game he played was December 31st, the Islanders were in a much better position than after he left. And the fact of the matter is, in his absence, the Islanders were forced, really, to trade for Andy Green from the Devils to provide them with some more steady play on defense. Noah Dobson, I like this kid. I think he's going to be a very good hockey player. However, he was not ready to provide the Islanders with 20, 22, 25 minutes a game. He was not someone who Barry Trotz could trust in key situations yet. Not meant to be a snub of Noah Dobson. It takes defensemen longer to adjust to playing in the National Hockey League. But once Adam Pellick was lost, the Islanders' team defense was not the same. And to me, if you go back and you look at that 17-game win streak that the Islanders, uh, 17-game point streak, excuse me, that the Islanders enjoyed early in the season, they win games by three to two, three to one, one to nothing. Uh, they end up winning a lot of games by, you know, low-scoring margins. 3-2, 3 3-1, 4-2, 2-1. 4-3 is almost like a high-scoring game already. Um, but the defense after Pellick is lost isn't the same. The pairings aren't the same. And the overall play, each defenseman, because Dobson wasn't quite ready to give them, you know, the 20-plus minutes, the defensemen started to tire a little bit more. They had to each play more minutes. Somebody had to play on the off side because of the pairings and the way the lefties and the righties lined up. It really set the team back. And to me, Adam Pellick, he is the glue that held this team together that made them so successful, and he has my vote, at least, for the most valuable Islander for 2019-2020. He's one of those guys where the numbers don't jump out at you, but if you watch him game in and game out, 
let me put it to you this way. I think a lot more scouts and coaches would vote for Adam Pellick as a, a possible Islanders MVP candidate than casual fans would. But he has my vote. You can cast your vote, by the way, on our Twitter poll. Again, it's at Locked On Isles, or you could email your votes to us at LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. Feel free to comment uh, either by tweet or by email and tell us why you voted the way that you did. I'll be interested to see what Islander fans feel about this question. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL as our experts tell you all about the important national issues in the world of hockey. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and remember, Let's Go Islanders will be back tomorrow with more great Islanders coverage.